Hey, Nicole. Oh, my God. Are you sitting down right now? Yeah, really. I'm at the same table as you. Yeah, but you never know what with cancel culture and the mainstream lying media. That's true. Hey, I got a great premise for this episode of the podcast. Oh, hit me. We talk about who we are and why we're making a podcast. A podcast about me? My favorite subject. So this is not our regular, deeply researched episode of the podcast. Uh, we decided that, uh, you know, we we got about a season of these things out, but we never answer the most essential the question critical, of the pod. At the core of this podcast. Who the hell are these Who guys? Who the hell are these guys and when are they going to leave? <laughs> well, uh, we don't know when we're going to leave, but it is an important thing to like, why are we at liberty to crack wise about other people's mamas on this podcast? Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's like we're talking about climate change, but this is a comedy podcast. We're right. two comedians. That's right. What gives us the right? Who gave us the right? And the answer is whoever grants degrees at the institutions of higher learning where we got our master's degrees. That's right. Yeah. Unlike, I'm going to say 99% of podcasts. We are deeply in debt <laughs> because most of, of my master's degree was funded. Oh, way to go! Yeah, some of mine was, but Columbia they make you pay. <laughs> oh boy, do they make you pay! But it was all worth it to get my climate science and policy degree so that I could do this podcast with you, Nicole, my friend of over twenty years. Isn't that crazy? It's when I realized that we were old enough to have been friends for 20 years, I felt like I was going to turn into dust and blow away. It does make me feel old. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad to say that you're the like oldest continuous friend that I still hang out with. Yeah. Um, yes. So you have your master's degree in climate science and policy from Columbia. I have a master's degree in urban planning with a focus on transportation planning and sustainable land use from USC. The coasts. The coast. We are coastal elite. Above all else. We're, we're born coastal. in the Midwest. No, the West. We're would, born in the West. I, yeah, I would call Colorado the American West. I was born in Illinois. Oh, Midwest. so you were born in the Midwest. I was born right smack in the center of both of our institutions of higher learning. Uh, but still in Chicago, which I think the people who hate our podcast would still consider that coastal elite. Yeah. Urban elite. That's probably true. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So uh, I think it's important to explain why we think we can, you know, talk about these things. And and also, if you're listening to us, you may as well know a little bit about who you're hearing from. And if you don't, stop listening. Yeah. The, Turn it off. This is the best kind of friendship where Get they, out. it is not essential that you care about my life at all. Yeah. In fact, like, I'm going to go so far as to say the moment you start checking out, just peace. Just give yourself an early weekend. <laughs> <laughs> go upstate. You do yeah. whatever. I don't remember the exact moment we met, but I do remember the first time that we had any, like, lengthy conversation. It may have been the first time we even introduced ourselves to each other. Uh, so 20 years ago, it was after a drama club meeting at Lakewood High School. Okay. And... Uh, you were standing outside. You didn't have a ride home. I was there waiting for my mom to pick me up. And I asked you if you wanted a ride home. And uh, you said, sure. And on the ride home, that's when we realized that our houses are like, if you're driving from my parents' house to your house, are like 90 seconds away from each yeah, other. So super close yeah. together. Yeah. And I think I actually had, I have a, a memory of like, driving you to a cast party and your mom I, I could tell your mom was like 
nervous to let you go to a cast party. That sure sounds like my mom. And I was trying to convey like, it's not like on a cast party, lady. Like, <laughs> no one's going to be drinking. Like, yeah. this is going to be, we're going to play catchphrase. And then the, the funny kid named Alan is going to do his impression of Wilt Chamberlain. <laughs> and then everyone's going to go to sleep at 1030. Like, yeah. this is going to be not not a thing you need to worry about your daughter going to. Uh, yes, I remember that. And you convinced her. And I will be forever great. That was, like, probably the first time I was allowed out of the house, like, not to, like, go to the mall with my friend Shannon for an hour, mm. you know? So uh, you're really responsible for my freedom. I also, wow. re- you also were the one who drove me home from my 21st birthday That's party. That's true. And I remember we were, you were talking about, so- I was so drunk. Yeah, I remember <laughs> this. Yeah, yeah. We were driving home on 6th Avenue and I remember it was, I think, in between Garrison and Kipling and you were in the middle of the sentence and I was just like, you need to pull over right now. Yeah. <laughs> I Yeah, I think I was trying to talk as a way to like, Take the I, I seem to remember I was like, OK, this Nicole is too, a little too drunk, probably is going to throw up, but he's trying to keep it together. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, I'll just like monologue for a little bit. And, and you're just like, fucking shut the fuck up and pull up. Like, <laughs> I'm going to throw up. And that's not the worst thing I'm experiencing right now. Uh, yeah, our listeners at home should know that I'm also a total lightweight. So this was probably after I'm going to say four drinks. So it's not like it was like a crazy night. It's a little bit of the cast party situation where imagine the tamest 21st birthday that you could have. And that's pretty much what it was. Yeah. So um, that, so the, for our first interaction was your mom driving us home. After and, high school drama club. And dropping me off very close by. Yeah. Okay. And then we really became friends through improv. Yes. Because um, in our high school, they're like you could do the play or you could do improv. And then improv was mostly for people who didn't get into the play. And yeah. I didn't get into the play. So I did improv. But as it turns out, that has become like the most like important driving force in my life. Not getting into that play freshman year is probably the best thing that ever happened to me, weirdly. But then I, so I was doing improv and I moved to New York for college and I studied improv at UCB mm. uh, and their main improv form is called the Herald. And then I remember going back to Denver and teaching you how to do yes. the Herald near our house, just like in the park on yeah, an afternoon. I, I signed up for a improv cage match with no team and nobody else. Oh, I just got, yeah. I, I would, I'd done improv. I, I went to college and I did improv and I, and sketch and a little stand up, and I really loved it. And I moved to Denver um, and immediately I was, cut off from all of that and I was like oh, I gotta get back into improv and you had to audition for all the teams in Denver and so there was a cage match and I signed up for the cage match and I was like shit I don't have a team and our cage match slot was in like a week and so I called you and Joel Jolly mm-hmm. and you were like you guys don't know shit about improv let me teach you <laughs> the Herald and so yeah it, it, outside in the park cars whizzing by you taught us how to do the Herald form. Yeah, for free. They charge a lot of money at UCB That's to do that. That's true. Yeah. In fact, I think you owe me a few hundred bucks. Just invoice me. Okay. <laughs> um, and so that's, I think that, like, that'd be, that sparked our, I think, actual friendship. Yeah. I think before that, I, we were, we knew uh, who each other were. We were, you know, we were obviously good school. enough friends that you could call me up and be like, teach me how to do a Herald. Right. And then I think from that moment on, we were like writing stuff together mm-hmm. in earnest and we would like film some stuff. Mm-hmm. And then two years later, when I moved to New York and you were still living in New York, mm-hmm. um, that's when I think our friendship really 
blossomed. Really blossomed. Yeah. Um, and I think one thing that I remember is that we would meet a lot. We yeah. would meet up and we would like plan shit. We would write shit. And I think we were both very hungry to create really good comedy. That's definitely how I felt. And it, it was so nice to have you in New York because I I have always had, I would say, a lukewarm relationship with the city of mm, New York. It's, mm. it's never really felt like home to me, um, even as I live here now. I don't hate New York. People get mad when you say you don't like New York. It's just not the place that I feel the most at home. What it's do fine. You mean? You don't Everybody like... relax. <laughs> Nobody yell at me. You don't like garbage on the street every day. <laughs> you don't like shit smelling like piss. <laughs> It's New York. The subway doesn't come for 29 minutes. <laughs> There's no other way to get to Manhattan. It's fucking <laughs> raining, but it's hot. <laughs> Fuck you. You don't like New York. Um, <laughs> I got yelled at and I had to think it was cool. Um, yes, that is. That's how I feel about New York. Um, uh, but we love New York. But we, we love, love New York. I heart and why. Um, but it was so nice to have you here because I like, like I'd taken classes at UCB, but I I was always a little bit wary about getting too into the scene there. I was like, I'm 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 just not the kind of person who like really strives to like get into the in group and stuff. And that's like kind of the culture at a lot of comedy places. And you have been, I mean, I think the fact that you were older than me in high school and always like cool, kind of in my head made me be like, well, Raleigh's the funniest person I know. <laughs> I want to work with Raleigh Burn. <laughs> because I didn't know that there were like way funnier people than Raleigh at the time. Yeah, uh, but to this day, I'm like, well, I think Raleigh's funnier than like anybody I know. So wow. he's always That's the one that nice I want to work with. Um, and so that like having you here was great. I do think we, we were meeting a lot and writing a lot and trying to get stuff together. But I think at the time we like really lacked the production skills and the organizational skills I to like that's right. be as good as we could have been. I th Well, I think I think something that plagues a lot of creatives is that they have good taste, mm -hmm. but they can't execute. That's that Ira Glass thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm literally now remembering that that is exactly <laughs> what. Yeah. Something that happens to a lot of creatives that Ira Glass absolutely said and I heard is that they've got good taste and they, they have bad execution. And I think we had good taste, but we just couldn't like with any we, we couldn't execute with consistency. Yeah, it, it was it felt like a Herculean effort to make anything. I think that's also what contributed to Climate Town's success because at some point we realized the holdup was like we couldn't edit anything mm. and you were like, I'm going to learn how to edit so that I can just do this. I actually, the first thing I ever edited was our sketch called Cowboy Girls that you wrote. Yes. Where we shot it in Colorado. Uh-huh. And it was the premise was it was two old timey cowboys who loved the TV show Girls. Yeah. And that was like right up the middle UCB game. It was literally a sketch I wrote for a UCB class and uh. it killed in the room. And then I remember shooting it and editing it and being like, oh, this is funny, but I'm understanding why it's context specific to where it killed the first time. Mm. It's like, if you go back and watch that sketch now, particularly because girls is like not on anybody's mind. It doesn't, <laughs> I can't remember any of the details. No. I'm sure they all made sense at the time. It sucks because the production value was really high because we shot with my grandfather's antique guns and we shot on Green Mountain. So it like looks yeah. good. Yeah, it does. Uh, <laughs> but, oh well. Oh yeah, so sorry. For, so for that sketch, I was like, I'm just going to edit this. I think I can edit this. And I remember you being like, 
I don't know if that's a good idea. And I was like, no, let me edit this. <laughs> and I, I tried really hard and I edited it about three quarters of the way there. And then like didn't know any of the shit to like make it look actually good. Yeah. And so then we gave it to Andy, maybe? Maybe Adam. I don't Adam? know. We, we had a fleet of editors who very kindly worked for us for very little money. Yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah, but that is true where like part of what I think contributed to me finding success on YouTube in my billiards career and Climate Town is editing it myself and getting to just in real time insert exactly what I want it to look like mm -hmm. and feel like and not releasing it until it felt and looked like I wanted it to. Yeah, and and that's why I think that you were able to succeed in that way when I couldn't because I editing to this day is something that if I have to do it, I just immediately get so overwhelmed and I'm like, mm. it's never going to work. I can't do it. <laughs> and that's, you know, that was like something that I struggled with for a long time. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, there was something about it that like editing really resonated with me because you get to just make it every frame look however you want. Mm -hmm. You have full control over every single piece of everything. And as long as you got enough in the performance, you can make it work. Yeah. And that's what I love about editing. Yeah. And that is an attitude that I really respect because <laughs> I'm too fast to give up on things. I, I like one of the things I appreciate about you is your ability to learn from each experience and take the stuff that's useful to you and like synthesize it into this bigger project that you've done. And so now everything that you're making is like really your thing and you've done that throughout like a lot of projects like raleigh um so he saw sleep no more and was obsessed with it I saw it like 50 no times more. yeah sleep no more Four for times. people who don't live in new york it's um it's it's a play that basically the cast has they've it's it's an old hotel and they've taken over every floor of the hotel and the performance happens in the hotel and the audience just walks around the hotel to different places and watches it happen. Um, every time you go, you experience it a different way. It's, it's spooky. immersive. Yeah, yeah. Um, you have to wear a mask like uh, over your face the whole time. Mm -hmm. So everyone's really anonymous. It's mm -hmm. cool. Not like no one's like eyes wide shutting anybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to the best of my knowledge. As far as I know. Yeah. Um, but Raleigh really loves Sleep No More and the immersive theater experience. And so he wrote his own immersive play called Dark Down, Deep Down, Dark, which was about the Chilean miners, which was perfect to set in the Annoyance Theater because it the walls were like rock. It looked like a fucking cave down there. It felt there. like a collapsed uh, mine And he, sure. he cast um, like all of our Latino friends in it. So it, it was like an all Latino cast to portray the Chilean miners. Uh, and it ruled. Thank it you. It ruled so hard. And I don't know anybody else who's just been like, I'm going to write a whole immersive play. An immersive comedy play. I haven't done it before, but I'll just do it. And you did. And that's so cool. It's, I mean, it turns out if you spend enough time <laughs> <laughs> wandering the halls of sleep no more, you're like, I bet I could do, I bet I could fucking do this. <laughs> maybe, that, maybe that's a little bit of the, like, the white man confidence, like, totally unearned confidence that I just bumble into it. I mean... You you bumbled great. Well, thank you so much. Um, now I do wanna I do wanna speak to something that I've always admired about you, Nicole. Is it my hair? It's your hair. It's great hair. How do I get that kind of <laughs> ponytail? No, it's uh you are I'm I've never met somebody who can work as hard as you, who can like put the hours in in the way that you've done and in a way that you you've you've sort of you like called your shot years and years ago. <laughs> and you're like, I'm gonna just write. And if I write enough scripts, I will get 
unbelievably good at writing. And then when that happens, I will get hired to write on a show and then I will be on a show. And, and that is sort of what that's happened. Exactly it's what happened what to you, you. What you don't see is that in that first part of if I write a bunch of scripts, most of those were very bad. And I think that <laughs> this is a, this is the same thing that I'm also I was also feeling when you were mentioning like oh that I that I was able to make stuff my own. Mm -hmm. I just don't think you saw the mountain of shit that I produced. <laughs> you know, like I ha I made so many bad, unwatchably bad videos. Yeah, and I actually think one thing that we did together was make a number of unwatchably bad sketches. Yeah. And that a little bit trauma bonded us, I bet. <laughs> I don't know I if you remember, so. do you remember the butterfly effect sketch? Boy, do I. God, the butterfly effect sketch, is, the script is so funny. I think we don't uh, have a great- uh, for, for listeners, the butterfly effect sketch is, that, so the concept of the butterfly effect is, you know, a butterfly flaps its wings and then halfway around the world, uh, through a chain of events, uh, Ashton Kutcher stars in a bad movie about it. <laughs> Got him. Um, <laughs> no, at, through a chain of events, it causes a hurricane right. and a bunch of people die. And the butterfly effect sketch was about a butterfly finding out that he caused a deadly- Hurricane Katrina. Uh, was it Katrina? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it was three butterflies. Yeah. And one, one butterfly teaches the other one about the butterfly effect. And, and then, then the third that one like, oh, realizes God. that they caused oh, Hurricane Katrina. <laughs> and uh, they tear their wings off. <laughs> <laughs> to like st prevent themselves from being the monsters of of, yeah. the, of the world, uh, and the premise I think is funny. Uh -huh. I remember I wrote it in, in my like 365 days of sketches. Oh my thing. god, I can't believe I forgot that Raleigh. So Raleigh just wanted to get really good at writing sketches, and so for a year he wrote a sketch every day, and he wound up with 365 sketches at the end of the year. Yeah, uh, three are good. <laughs> that was the thing. I think that's this is this is a nice hallmark for us to both recognize, like. In my head, it's like, oh, Nicole writes a thing and it's good. And it may be in your head, it's like Raleigh writes a thing and it works. Mm -hmm. And in my head, it's like I have to write it so many times before it's presentable. And so I only see the bad versions of it. Right. And I think that maybe maybe we're like we're like catching each other at good moments in our in our writing careers. Yeah. Uh, you alluded to it earlier. Now I work in late night television. And when I was writing the packet for The Daily Show, I was like, oh, this is easy for me to do now. But that's because I started writing packets in 2014 and I wrote, I mean, easily over 200 bad packets mm. for different shows that were never going to hire me. <laughs> 200 packets. Yeah. I mean, I, and some were for like, you know, so-and-so's web late night show that yeah. never came to fruition. So mm. it's not like I was only submitting to big name shows, but it's like I was writing a lot. But... One of the things that I really appreciate about you, like just embracing making your own thing and like doing what Raleigh Williams does best is like I pursued another way, I think ultimately to my detriment. Because at that time, while you were working at Upworthy and Fusion and you were doing Dark Down, Deep Down, Dark and like all of this cool stuff, I was like bouncing around between media company jobs. Mm. I got hired at Sports Illustrated. First of all, almost every media company job that I had started out as a diversity hire because they did not have enough women and they never explicitly stated that to me. But when I got there, it was like, oh, I'm the only girl here <laughs> um, or like I'm one of two. Um, but I worked at Sports Illustrated and then I got laid off from there. And then uh, my friend Raphael got me a job working at Jalopnik, which was an automotive blog. And then I worked at SB Nation for a year. And then I started working at this company uh, whose name I'm not going to say because I want to trash them a little bit later. <laughs> but it, it was 
was like more of like a comedy content company. Mm -hmm. And the whole time I kept being like, this thing will give me legitimacy. This thing will be a step to my ultimate career in television and comedy. Uh, And none of them were. Absolutely none of them were. But weren't they? Because you've had two jobs on... But, Late night TV. but not until after I gave up trying to go through a weird side door that uh. didn't exist. Because so so in 2016, when I was working at this comedy company that was like for sure already failing, like this job that I had was horrible at this awful like comedy web company that I thought was going to be good and it was terrible. But the moment that it really crystallized was it was the day after Trump was elected. Mm. The mood in New York generally was like the glummest I have ever. It was like a weird day to be in New York. Yeah. Um, And I went to the office to, again, a comedy viral video style office. And the president of the company, who, side note, we got bagels every Friday. And the president's regular bagel order was a blueberry bagel with scallion and onion cream cheese. Sweet and scallion. Just weird, right? Uh, Anyway, we didn't have bagels that day. But the president came out and with tears in their eyes was like, I know that last night wasn't the result that anybody wanted, but it's important to remember that the work that we are doing here is more important now than ever. And I was like, no, it's not. No, it's absolutely not. We're making videos like, what if somebody from the Old West went to Westworld? Like, that's the level of, like, this could not be less important. And so that was, like, when I started to have, like, an existential crisis about, like, my comedy career is not really going anywhere. Like, working for this stupid blog industry feels like a waste of time. And so that's when I started to think seriously about grad school. And I mm. um, I knew that I wanted to study something climate yeah, adjacent. When, can, can I, it, yeah. would it derail you to ask when you, when you got, like, climate aware? Um, I, I don't think there was a moment. Mm. I think growing up in Colorado, just because you're, and particularly, like, we live on a mountain, I think yeah. you're always just sort of, like, nature aware. Yes. Um, Colorado school systems teach you about climate change and the gold rush. <laughs> Those are the two big God, they love the gold rush. Yeah, we We didn't even have the biggest gold rush. How dare you, Nicole? (laughs) We had a silver rush. Ever heard of silver plume? Yes, I have. Ever heard of mine tailings? Yes. Yeah, because you took all those classes. (laughs) You know what a sluice box is? Oh, yeah, sure. A sluice box is one of the many ways to get gold out of a river that is more effective than panning for gold. It's all about the density, baby. And that's the end of the preview. Thanks for listening. If you want to hear the whole episode, head on over to our Patreon page where we got the whole thing ad-free. Now, do not worry. We got a bunch of episodes right here for free. But if you want to support the show and hear us cracking wise about other people's mamas, the Patreon page is the place to do it. I hope to see you there. But obviously, you know, you do you. Bye. Bye.